52 years ago, when I was quite a young believer, uh, God called me to be a postman. Yes, a postman. You need a call from God to be a postman. And I even went to Edinburgh to a college to study how to be a good postman, how to be effective at the job. And in fact, from then to now, that was 1970, I have continued to study meticulously and in depth how to be a good postman. And you know that the main job of a postman uh, is not to write letters. Why, if he had to write all the letters that he, does, he gives out or brings to people's homes, he could never do his job. His job simply is to deliver the letters. That's what he's paid for. To deliver the post. And every item of post has an address on it. And so <clears throat> he goes around the housing estate. He goes right around <clears throat> huge uh, chunks of territory giving out the post to the people. <clears throat> and sometimes when people get the post, they're not very happy with what they get. They're very pleased, of course, when they get a check in the post or something like that or a nice letter from a friend. But when they get a bill, when they get a demand to pay, be that a demand for rates payment or for perhaps a payment for the oil that has been delivered or payment for perhaps some other work done, they might say to themselves, I thought I'd longer. That old postman, he shouldn't have dropped that letter off at my house at this particular time. And so he, his day is not good because he got the wrong kind of post. Well, the postman has come here tonight to talk to you. And I don't want you to be behaving like the individual I've just described. Hi, that man. Uh, he brought a word, a message. He, he delivered something tonight that I didn't like. I wasn't expecting it. And it wounded me. It has set me back. And I don't, I don't think I'll sleep well. Well, what can I say to that? Except, hallelujah, you got the message. And that is my humble and very earnest prayer that this postman who has been sent by God, this postman who has come from the throne room of the Most High with a message not so much for your head, although that's where it will strike first, as it is from the heart, and that's where I hope it will reach and stay, I hope as I deliver the Word of God that you will receive it well 
And it's my prayer not just that you will be a hearer, but that you will be impacted. Because the meeting that you're sitting in just now, it only begins when you go out through those lovely two sets of double doors and make your way home, and particularly to the workplace tomorrow. And I do trust and pray that that will be how it is. We're living in a day when people don't like to be disturbed, particularly church people. They want to be left alone. They want to be comfortable. If you're comfortable in church, I doubt very, very much if you're in church as we understand it in the New Testament. If you're comfortable in church, that's a sure sign God's not talking to you. Do you want God to talk to you? Do you want God to touch you? Would you like to be changed? Would you like your life to be taken to a higher level? That's what God wants to do for you and for myself. And it's my prayer that that will happen. I've said before from this pulpit when I come to preach, I've not come to comfort the afflicted. I've come to afflict the comfortable. Remember, I'm just a postman. And I'm talking to my own heart as I talk to yours. And the message that I'm bringing to you tonight, God has given it to me. It has been burning and burdening my heart all week. It's from God to the church, and there is a, a strong prophetic element in it. And I trust that you will listen. You know, <clears throat> the time is coming when there'll be no more preaching. There's no preaching, and there's no praying, and there's no evangelizing in heaven. And Jesus is coming soon. And all these things, as you and I know them, they're going to end. There'll be no more church there, but we'll be worshiping all of the time in the intimate and near presence of our wonderful, glorious, and glorified, resurrected Jesus. And that will be wonderful. And you will not want that ever to end and your, your desire will be granted even before you go there. It will never, never, never end. Isn't heaven a wonderful place to look forward to? Absolutely. We can never comprehend just how beautiful and how wonderful that is. Very often, 
in my congregations where I preached, I pastored for 28 years in three different locations, starting off in Ballymena, and then I came to this town before moving on to Banbridge, where I spent the longest period of time um, of all the three local congregations. And in my churches and congregations, people were always looking for a nice, soft, comfortable message. There's a lot of things in this book that are neither soft nor comfortable or easy to swallow. Medicine that heals you is very often bitter. But if it heals you, you need to take it. You need to take it. Beware of the sweet medicines that are being given out from many pulpits nowadays. I know that you're not in the habit of getting sweet medicine because I know who your pastor is. And we have been very close friends for a very, very long time. And uh, we are proud in a sanctified way of coming from the best county of the six. I don't think that has anything to do with it, though. But the servant of God has been giving you the word of God in its undiluted and in its purest form that is capable of God helping him. And that is what I wish to do this evening once more. But I'm saying people wanted a comfortable message. And I knew that. But as the servant of God preaches, there are messages of encouragement that come from time to time. There are messages um, of amazing information, uh, uh, detailed concerning heaven and the second coming and uh, concerning uh, uh, many, many other related topics, but there's many weighty messages that cut, I say that cut deep into the heart, and you can't get cut without feeling pain. And tonight, I believe the message will cut, and some of you will feel pain, so I'm just preparing you for that. The people would often uh, gesture to me and say to me, you know, we, we'd like a, a softer message. And with tears in my eyes, and with tears on my cheeks, I used to say, I know that. I know what you want. But God has not given me anything like that for you. I don't have a comfortable message. I don't have an easy message. And as, I, as they would go out the door, I would shake hands with them, and some actually had the audacity to say, Believers, your message makes me feel as if I'm backslidden. But remember, I was just the postman. I was just the postman. I didn't, in case it would be misunderstood, I didn't say that, well, perhaps you are backslidden. 
Perhaps God is talking to you or trying to talk to you. So you'd better obey what was being said. But people don't like that kind of message. And very often in places that uh, preachers visit, when they preach a message that cuts the heart, they're not invited back. Because too many people complained. You know, that does happen. And so I come to bring you the Word of God. A humble postman from Banbridge, sent by God, to talk to all of us here in this house. And I trust the message will leave you in better standing than before I came. If that does not happen, I haven't done my job. Can I ask you now to turn to the book of Exodus with me and to chapter 16? We're reading a portion from both that chapter and the one to follow. And I'd appreciate it if you are able to turn to it and follow it with me. And while you're looking for the place, I'll pray briefly. Gracious Father, you have anointed me to preach liberty to the captives and to preach healing to the brokenhearted and to preach and call your church to repentance. I pray that I will be conscious of that anointing resting upon me this evening. I am your instrument, Lord, for this occasion uh, to bring the Word of God to the people, and as I've been informing them, I'm just your messenger, bringing your Word in as undiluted a message, uh, a manner as possible to them. And I pray that you would help me to do that. Anoint me with the Holy Ghost and fire sent down from heaven. Anoint the ear to hear, the mind to understand, and the heart to break, and yield to the claims of the weighty Word of God. I give thanks, Lord, that you've answered my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, the reading, please, chapter 16 and the book of Exodus. Uh, We'll read from verse 1 down as far as verse 8, and then we'll move to the next chapter. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. 
Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, and I will prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it came, it shall come to pass, that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel, At even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. What are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are ye, what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then over to chapter 17, just the first three verses. And the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeyings according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Let me read verse 4. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Tonight I want to talk to you, in the Lord's name, about spiritual pandemic in the church. I don't need to remind you that we're living in days of shallowness, restlessness, apathy, and agitation in the church. There almost seems a dark cloud hanging over the church at the present time, particularly over the last 18 months. A dark cloud, I say, during which time in many places it has become difficult to pray, it has become difficult to walk with God for some. It has become difficult to serve God and to reach out with the gospel. There are many things that prohibit and actually complicate those exercises. These are difficult times, very challenging times. I believe we're living in a day of a great falling away, times of apostasy and spiritual backsliding. I want to just make those statements 
or bring those things to the fore uh, at the onset of the message I want to bring. And this thought and theme about a pandemic in the church, I'm saying that when there is a sickness, there are always symptoms. And I want to, here and there, share some of the symptoms with you. And one of those symptoms that I want to emphasize uh, in this meeting tonight is that the Holy Ghost is grieved with a capital G. If you admit that, if you have discovered that, you are a perceptive individual. But many haven't perceived it yet. The Holy Ghost is hurt. There are many homes and congregations where the Holy Ghost does not feel comfortable or at home. And where you find the Holy Ghost at home with you in your congregation, you can expect times of visitation, times of heaven coming down. But that is the exception rather than the rule. And I'm saying these ominous clouds of darkness and depression, restlessness and lukewarmness, the Holy Spirit is not happy with what is going on, clearly. I will elaborate upon that as I continue. So talking about the pandemic again, I say sickness uh, has symptoms and sickness needs to be identified in order to have it treated. And I want to use a biblical term here tonight in order to describe this pandemic. And this term that's used in the portions I've read tonight, it occurs 40 times in the Scriptures. And it's the word murmuring. Murmuring. And that is what I want to talk about this evening. It may well be the first message you've ever heard on a subject like that. But I want to look into it with... uh, a little bit of detail, so that we get an understanding. Uh, Quite frankly, as we read the Scriptures here, we discover a number of things immediately. Number one, uh, uh, murmuring is very common amongst those who call themselves the people of God. The place where it ought to be the least expected or suspected among the people of God is the place where it seems to be most prevalent. Murmuring. And we notice also in the passage, uh, God was aware of what was happening. And the murmuring made it very difficult for the leaders. And I refer particularly to Moses and Aaron. A lot of the murmuring was against them, but it was against the Lord. Directly. And that was very Very sad indeed. There was murmuring against Moses and Aaron. There was murmuring. We're told the people murmured in their houses or in their tents. 
They murmured um, in a whole variety of situations, murmured about the food that they were given to eat or no food, as the case might have been at a time, murmured concerning no water to drink and certain water that was bitter and they couldn't drink it. They murmured and murmured. Now, I want to point something out to you. If ever there was a congregation, a company of people, that ought to have been dancing, dancing for joy, dancing, rejoicing, and worshiping God, it should have been the congregation of the children of Israel. God had done awesome things for them. And every time I read through the book of the Exodus, I am awestruck. I am filled with wonder and amazement. And I think to myself, I would like to have seen the hand of God being stretched out during those judgments against a nation that was so pagan and idolatrous and so controlled by demons and by false religion as Egypt was when those ten judgments from God were indeed directed toward the land of Egypt and its inhabitants. And those ten judgments were each specifically, specifically against a particular God or idol behind which there was a powerful demon and God was manifesting his power against the darkness, the powers of darkness and hell on those occasions. And then when God brought his people out and standing there on the banks of the Red Sea, wondering what was going to happen next. In fact, uh, as they stood there, having seen the power of God in Egypt, they were murmuring and complaining, and they were uncomfortable. And they were saying, I'm sorry that we ever left Egypt. Is there any way we could reorganize ourselves and go back? They were uncomfortable and unhappy. And remember how Moses prayed, and God said, Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And Moses, with his rod, he struck the waters of the Red Sea, and by this time the armies of the Egyptians were not very far away. But God kept them at bay because of the cloud of fire and the pillar of cloud. But the cloud of fire, which was light to the children of Israel, but to the Egyptians it brought darkness. To see the power of God being manifest like that. And just then, a strong wind began to blow, and the Red Sea parted, parted, parted. Like not just a big highway, but like multiple highways. Remember, there were upwards on four to six million people that had to get through in a very short space of time. And God caused the waters of the Red Sea to part and to be congealed. That is, they became solid. To see the power of God in that manner, it must have been awesome. And then when they got to the other side and the armies of Pharaoh tried to follow, as they did, and to see God pulling off the chariot wheels, and to see God causing disarray to the enemy. And then when Israel got completely over, to see Moses standing with his rod again, 
and calling upon the seas to close over upon the enemies, and all their enemies, all their enemies being drowned and washed up dead on the, the banks of the Red Sea. I was there not awfully long ago, and I thought of those events. It would have been wonderful to have beheld. And the people who saw the power of God, now they're grumbling. They're criticizing. They're complaining. Give me, give me, give me, give me. We're not happy with this and with that and the other thing. It was an, epi an epidemic amongst the congregation of Israel way back at the times about which we have been reading just now. The definition in the dictionary of murmuring is to complain uh, and speak in a low voice, to speak in an indistinct manner, like whispering, whispering, mumbling, mumbling words, so that not too many people hear it except those who are nearest to you. I look across this congregation. I do so in Jesus' name. I look into your heart, and I speak the Word of God into your heart. And I want to say to you, that's the nature of the pandemic that's in the church at the present time. There is great unrest and great unsettlement and negativity among the people of God at the present time. And do you know why that's happening? That's happening because they are not praying. They are not dwelling in the Scriptures. They are not meeting as often, as frequently as they should in fellowship. They're not breaking bread around the Lord's table or in their homes. They're not seeking God with a broken heart. There is a spirit, a carnal, I believe a demonic spirit of grumbling in the church. And it's very, very disconcerting. And the Lord sees it. Remember, it's against Him. When it happens in the church, very often it's directed towards the pastor, or the deacons, or the elders, or somebody. But I want you to know that when you have an issue with a brother or a sister and you vent those feelings in the church, those expressions are hurting God. They are hurting God. They are grieving the Holy Spirit. And if there is one reason amongst a plethora of other reasons why we need revival, it's because we need to stop grieving the Holy Spirit and we need to get God back onto the scene. And we need to see His hand being stretched out in great power. You brought us out here to die, they said, because there's no graves in Egypt. Have you ever met a Christian <clears throat> who was sorry that they'd become a Christian? 
ever met anybody that was saved from a life of sin and shame, debauchery, worldliness, ungodliness, and they regretted it. There are people around you know like that. And they're looking over the fence and they see young people going to discos and going out um, um, for a, a night of drinking and carousing. And in their heart, and they confide in their close, close friends, you know, <laughs> I miss that. I miss that. I wish, you know, I could still do that. They're sorry that they have become a Christian. Is there anybody in this house tonight and you fit into that category? Are you sorry that you became a follower of Jesus, the lowly carpenter from Nazareth? Are you regretting that your shackles of sin are gone, that you've left the world behind and you're moving out in a new direction with God? Discovering God's exciting plan for your life and in full expectation of God using you and making you a blessing. The children of Israel, I'm saying, saying, oh, we miss those leeks. And we miss the garlic. Egypt was a place of onions. Is there any comparison between onions and milk and honey? You see how the devil deceived the people? He deceived the people, and they thought they were badly off that the Lord was being harsh and hard on them. Now, believe me, it's a total total, um, deception on the part of the devil. Absolutely. Let me talk about murmuring now for a little while. Grumbling. I did mention to you I've been a pastor for a long time, and as I continue in a more, um, perhaps, um, general type of ministry in Africa. In fact, uh, um, uh, my ministry there, mainly, 95% is teaching uh, the Lord's people. And I see the same. I see the same problems, even in Africa, where people don't have very much, where life is hard, money is very scarce, and most families, 80% of them, are cash poor. And it's um, sometimes very, very painful when so many people come to you looking for help and they feel that you own the bank or a whole lot of banks and that you just have to fill a bag and give it to them uh, full of money. But um, I'm saying there's a lot of people, even in Africa, who are discontented. But imagine in our affluent society... And in our affluent, affluent church life, there is so much discontent. There's such a range of things that actually uh, cause people to um, get uncomfortable and unhappy. But here I'm telling you uh, what it does. It destroys fellowship. Unless you come into the house of the Lord to share with the people of God with a clean heart and with a a spirit that is open and hungry for God in a prayerful mindset and a mindset of expectation. 
You can't really, you can't really have fellowship. But if you come to criticize and find fault and to point the finger and to gossip or to actually uh, condemn or denigrate somebody, that grieves the Holy Spirit. In the house of God, I say to you, dear brothers and sisters, we ought to go about on tiptoe, so to speak, on tiptoe. Are you hearing me? On tiptoe. I mean, we want to be very, very cautious and very careful lest we grieve the sweet, sweet Holy Spirit. Because if He takes His flight away from amongst us, we are sunk. We are sunk. In the church, I repeat, we discovered we discover a grieved Holy Spirit. And I also say that um, murmuring, it quenches, it puts a wet blanket on worship. You know, when we come to the house of God to worship, we should put our whole heart and soul into it. Whether it's the playing of the instruments or whether it's the singing, we may not be able to sing very well. Um, I make a noise uh, more than I do sing, but I enjoy making a noise because I know before whose presence and for what reasons I am doing that clearly. I'm saying that a spirit of murmuring, discontent, dissatisfaction, it puts a wet blanket on worship. And when you come into the house of the Lord, you can sense right away whether there's a spirit of worship prevailing in the house, whether the Spirit of God has freedom to excite and fascinate and to draw out the hearts of His people in worship, thanksgiving, and prayer. In, in Africa, and in the average meeting, they spend one and a half hours worshiping. Sometimes, it extends to two hours. They love to worship God. And uh, they don't stand and announce a hymn and sing it and then uh, sit down and do something else and then announce another hymn and sing it and so on. They don't. They just worship the Lord in one continuous session. Accepting <clears throat> the song leaders at the front, they will spontaneously break out into prayer. Some of you have been in Africa and you know what I'm talking about. They'll break out in prayer. And then uh, as they taper off the prayer, they break into song again. And they will perhaps break out in prayer another time. And for an hour to an hour and a half and more, they will worship the Lord. I want to say to you, I'm not, I, I'm not suggesting that... This is Africa, uh, clearly, but that, that's, how they, that's how they do it. But when there is a, a, a spirit of murmuring and discontent, that dries up, and that becomes difficult, very difficult. You know, when we grumble and complain, 
It's a libel on God. It's a libel on our Heavenly Father. He's not doing things right for us. He's not able to satisfy His children. He's not looking after us in a good way. When children at home uh, in, in a family, if, if um, they're not happy, they're very quick to express that they're not happy. They um, grumble and they want, they make demands. And it, it, it irritates the parents. Has it ever occurred to you that we could be irritating God? Has it ever occurred to you that our dissatisfaction and our murmuring is grieving the Holy Spirit? That's something for us to, to think about. I say furthermore that um, when grumbling comes into our prayer meeting or this spirit of murmuring, uh, it quenches the spirit of prayer. And also the progress of the church and it stifles faith and it stifles just the work of God in one broad sweep. It grieves God. And tonight I call upon all of us here to take knowledge of that and to do something about it. Things that grieve the Spirit of God, let me mention a few of them. Worldliness grieves the Holy Spirit. We left the world behind, but is the world captivating us again now that we're on our way to heaven? Are we, like I've been saying earlier, are we looking over the fence and seeing how people dress, seeing the kind of music that people are listening to? and seeing the conversations that people are having, and seeing what uh, makes them tick. Are we envious of them, and are we imbibing that spirit? I say to you, dear people, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Worldliness grieves the Holy Spirit. Also, I am saying that um, gossip grieves the Holy Spirit. Lukewarmness grieves the Holy Spirit. Lies, immorality, dishonesty grieve the Holy Spirit. Witchcraft and occultism grieve the Holy Spirit. Dabbling, becoming associated with people that ply some of these things. I'm saying it grieves God. But murmuring, oh, you say it's innocent, harmless. We didn't mean any. Um, bad motive, but I'm saying that that is not the way it actually uh, works out. And so I'm saying that we need to repent. We need to seek God. We need to admit what is happening. And we need to urgently deal with it by fasting, by weeping and shedding tears, by crying to God for a visitation and for healing and deliverance. There's a lot of sickness in the church. I know that we're living in a, a broken world, and there's explanation for sickness. Of course, we're living in a time of pandemic, and that's easy to explain. But even apart from that, there's a lot of other sicknesses. Uh, 
to do with cancer and organ failure and um, stroke and heart attack. A lot of sickness in the church. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, I'm not suggesting uh, um, that behind such like that there is anything, anything sinister, uh, uh, beyond the fact that we're living in a world that has got the curse of God upon it. But uh, I want to tell you that whenever the children of Israel were grumbling and murmuring, God sent serpents. God sent serpents, and the serpents bit the people, and many died. And many came crying to Moses, and they were indeed um, very uncomfortable about what was happening, and they were pleading for Moses to intervene. And God told Moses to create a serpent of brass and to put it on a pole and to invite the people to look at the serpent on the pole, and if they looked, they would live. Look and live. That was the message. Look and live. And sometimes I'm saying when the people of God are not doing right, there's a judgment. There is a silent, and sometimes not so silent, a judgment that comes, that overtakes in the form of a punishment uh, from the Lord. Yes. Um, here I um, read from a passage this, this evening in chapter 17 uh, concerning um, the various issues that we have talked about. I didn't go far enough into the passage uh, to read this statement. When the people were murmuring and when the people were discontent, we read, Then came Amalek. Then came Amalek. When we murmur and when we grumble and complain against God. Amalek invades. Amalek strikes. I refer you now to uh, the chapter 17. And um, please notice the verse number 8. Then came Amalek and he fought with Israel in Rephidim. Amalek. When we are not treating each other right, when we are misbehaving in the house of God, we open the door or doors to Amalek, spiritual Amalek. Amalek is a type of the devil. He, Amalek is numbered amongst the oldest nations in the Bible. Way back in the opening chapters of Genesis, you will find Amalek there. And Amalek was an enemy of the people of God right from the very beginning. Right from the earliest of days. Amalek was a relentless enemy. Full of vitriol. Full of antagonism. Full of hatred. A, a type of the devil. And the curse of God was upon Amalek. Just like the curse of God is upon Lucifer. Satan. Who will be crushed and completely overthrown and conquered. Um, when the Lord Jesus... Uh, completes his great work of redemption in the world. And so I'm saying that we do not want to open the door to Amalek. We do not want to open the door to the devil and his evil spirits to come in and to do their um, evil work amongst the people of God. Absolutely. 
It's my um, considered view that Amalek had sent spies amongst the children of Israel to stir them up. This is my take on it. Sent individuals in to create problems. Sent them in to agitate because they would be aware that once there is agitation and once there is conflict, once there is uh, uh, disunity, that it'll be very easy then to conquer. And that's exactly what Amalek had in mind. And there are many congregations across the British Isles and indeed in other parts of the world where that kind of thing is happening. Amalek finds the doors open and comes in uh, to create havoc and to bring shame and to bring pain uh, to the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, God heard their murmurings and he was not happy. He was indeed um, grieved and he meted out his punishments clearly uh, to, to his people. My dear uh, people, tonight uh, I bring uh, the Word of God to you, and I say to you that um, murmuring is not a spiritual exercise, not a godly exercise, it is not godly conduct, and uh, we need to be very careful as we walk with God, and as we form a part of the assembly of His people, that we are not waylaid or we are not overtaken by a spirit of criticism and a spirit of um, hardness and a spirit of idle talk. But when we are nurtured in prayer and when we're nurtured with the Word of God and when we're nurtured with um, fellowship, we thank God that these things that the enemy uh, tries to indeed overtake us with, they are defeated and completely, completely overthrown. I thank God for his servants who uh, we have talked about here in this passage of the Word of God. Uh, remember um, some of the difficulties that Moses uh, encountered? Um, first of all, they, 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 they threatened to stone him. Because um, there was no water. They blamed Moses for that calamity. And then they questioned, is the Lord amongst us or not? They were given to unbelief. And then they were making demands for, for, for water. And uh, they were asking, indeed, Moses to do things that were not within his gift to do, uh, quite frankly. But um, the grace of God, I believe, um, entered into the situation. And remember, the people of God, they, they, they gathered themselves together. And remember how they dealt with uh, Amalek, Moses, Aaron, and her. They went up to the mountaintop and they gathered, they formed a prayer battery. And they prayed against the, the work of the enemy. I like that picture. I think it is amazing, and it is very spectacular. 
Aaron and her held up Moses' hands. And they could see, they could actually see what was going on. They could see the enemy uh, in that situation. They were on the high ground and they were able to look down and they were able to appreciate what, what God was doing. And when Moses held up his hands, the people of God prevailed. And when their hands, when Moses' hands grew tired and began to hang down, Amalek prevailed. My word, that is one of the most outstanding, I believe, uh, illustrations of the power of prayer anywhere to be found in the Bible. I call the church to pray and to more prayer, as I did last time I was with you. I call the church to stoke the fires of prayer and to seek God for his um, interventions in this department of the church. Let's put our foot upon the demon of murmuring, the demon of complaining and dissatisfaction, and let us call upon God and let us see the hand of God being stretched out in great power and great blessings upon his people. God is beginning to do something. Let him have his way. Let us, let us break our hearts again at the foot of the cross. Let us feel the blood of Jesus. Let us revel in his presence. Let us surrender ourselves to him until there's nothing more to give to him in our lives. And then see what God will do, not only in the congregation, but in our families and in our community. We're living in uh, very, very challenging times, as I said at the beginning. Uh, things are happening that we never thought would happen. And we need God to step in. And God wants to step in. God wants to break forth on the right hand and on the left. And I believe that there are many people here tonight, and you want to be at the center of that. And God wants all of us indeed to be on the front line of prayer and on the front line of um, surrender and progress for the glory and the praise of his name.